You know what it is. That's right. It's time to talk money with your money nerd and financial coach. Now, tighten those purse strings and open those ears. It's the Money Talk with Tiff podcast. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Money Talk with Tiff podcast. Today, I'm super excited because I have Chris Hanna on the line. Now, Chris is very, his story is very interesting. So I definitely wanted to highlight it. So let me give you a little back in. Less than 24 hours after graduating college, Chris began counting cards as a professional blackjack player with a new degree in finance and economics and internships at a multi-billion dollar hedge fund. He was offered a job on Wall Street, but turned it down solely to disappoint his parents. How many of us have been there? (laughs) Um, Two years later, Chris worked five simultaneous gig jobs to continue pursuing his dreams as an entrepreneur, trained in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and avoid a regular job at all costs. So now today, Chris brings his experiences in not only blackjack playing and jiu-jitsu and all that cool stuff, but also financial coaching, and he helps UFC fighters and entrepreneurs manage their money to gain peace of mind. So thank you so much, Chris, to be on the show today. Yeah, thank you so much, Tiffany. It's great to uh, be on, and I'm looking forward to this conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's just jump right in because this was like the hook that got me, (laughs) got me hooked on you Um, with the whole counting cards, blackjack player thing. If you can just explain to my audience what that even means, because I'm sure a lot of people have never talked to or interfaced with a professional blackjack player. So, you know, let's just start with the education. What is a professional blackjack player? Yeah. So uh, a professional blackjack player is someone who plays blackjack for profit, that the more they play, the more they win. And the way that they can do that is uh, you really have to start with an understanding of something called the edge. So the edge in any game in the casino is the uh, average amount that you or the average amount that the casino will win as a percentage of what you bet. So like if you bet a hundred bucks and they have a 5% edge, they're going to win on average $5 for every hundred dollars that you spent, you know, bet on that. In blackjack, the edge is very small. It's actually nearly close to zero. It's only about half a percent. So, you know, if you, every hundred dollars that the casino, uh, that the casino collects in wagers on average, this is a long-term average. Um, they, win about 50 cents and ends up being a little bit more because people play real terribly, but uh, it starts there. And then when you can count cards, which is just keeping track uh, of the high and low cards that come out of a deck or multiple decks so that you know how many more high or low cards are going to be coming out. And there is such a uh, massive advantage for you as the player when there are a lot more high cards left to to be played. So, uh, so much so that the edge actually flips to be positive in your favor, which means that the more you play, you now start making money, you know, as a long-term average. And, uh, you know, as you can keep track of those counts with the high versus the low, you can start increasing your bet when the count is very high and the edge is in your favor and decrease your bet when the edge is low and the count, you know, is not in your favor. Now, this sounds very, very, very familiar because I see some parallels here with the stock market. Um, (laughs) And so I assume that's how you took what you knew, you know, as far as playing blackjack and you started edging over into this industry. But if you can explain or, you know, give us some insight into how you went from counting cards as a blackjack player to now helping people with their finances. Yeah, so it's interesting. Um, I don't 
act. So I use several of the tools that I sort of or, or skills that I developed as a professional blackjack player with what I do today, but it's maybe not so obvious. So like I don't day trade, which I've been asked before, you know, it's because it can be very similar. It's very high frequency. You're betting constantly and you have to weigh your uh, sort of expected value and your risk. But um, in terms of what I actually do with the stock market, so I'll clarify that. And then, you know, what I do with, with uh, you know, folks and clients today with a stock market, I'm just a pretty pure, you know, believer in uh, index investing. So uh, there are, like I said, there are things that I've brought over from Blackjack, but like all that trading and all is, is not one of them. Um, and then in terms of how I sort of got into helping people. So uh, for a while, a little while after I stopped playing Blackjack, I was just doing a whole bunch of different gig work. I was training, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is a grappling martial art that they train in mixed martial arts in the UFC. And that was kind of just my main focus for a while. And uh, to a point where like, I already didn't want a regular job, but because I was also training, you know, five times a week, sometimes multiple times a day, like I didn't, I couldn't do anything normal, so to speak. So uh, I was working all these different jobs and just really exhausting myself mentally and physically. And it got to a point where I just sort of, stepped back and said, something's not right here with the way I'm going about this. Because as much as I loved training, also in the back of my head, I was thinking that if I do what I love, the money's going to follow. So there was that underlying belief that was sort of guiding me. And that's when I really started to reevaluate that. Like, not only am I not making money from this, but I am struggling to, like, it's coming out of my pocket every month in gym fees. So that's when I sort of had to take a hard look and start reevaluating my own personal finances. And that's when I started diving deep into it, learning as much as I could. And over time, as I started to master it on my own, that's as that's how I started, you know, helping other people with it. Ah, okay. So that is very interesting because I also want to dive into, like, as you were jumping into this arena and um, getting your own finances in order because I feel like that's most of our stories like yeah. we start trying to get our own finances in order and then we're like ah I think I got this down let me start helping other people kind of do the same method and so I say that to say I know you have some very interesting ideas about budgeting or not so I wanted to get into um, what your strategy was like how did you um, get your finances in order yeah, so I started with the traditional methods. So uh, we hear all the time that you need a budget. And and so I made one. And actually, I made my first one when I was like 16 or 17. I had a job and money started coming in. And I just heard that you should have a budget. And so that's what I you know tried to do. And for years, like off and on, I had tried to budget. And it didn't quite work the way that I wanted to. Or at least I didn't get out of it what I wanted to. And... Um, and so during that time, I was exploring that and tracking expenses in a bunch of different ways. So I, I'm, I'm like an Excel Google Sheets guy. So I was just like putting all my expenses on that. And then it became too cumbersome. So I started using the apps, you know, Mint, every dollar I tried, uh, you need a budget. And even that, like, I just didn't like the, just, I don't know, always having to kind of go in my phone and, and do it. I got to a point where I literally just carried around a pen and paper with me for a few months. And I literally just, you know, wrote it down that way. Uh, and eventually I started to ask myself, like, what am I trying to get out of all of this? Because here I've got, you know, pages and pages of expenses. Yes, they're categorized, but ultimately what am I trying to accomplish? And that's what led me to understand that budgeting is a tool, but it's not an underlying principle of managing money. So I look at managing money with these three underlying principles. One is first, actually, the, the, the larger goal is to 
use your money in the most effective way possible to live, you know, whatever life you want to live, you know, have the have ultimately the freedom that you want to have. So you can use your money to support yourself, your family, friends, even strangers around the world. From there, there are these three underlying principles. Decide what to do with your money, ensure that you stick to your decisions, and track and organize your money in an efficient way. So you can actually see those results and you know use uh, the, the tracking to make more informed decisions going forward. So from there, I'm like, oh, okay, so budgeting is a plan. And ultimately, that's deciding what to do with your money. But the method that people typically use to stick to it uh, involves using a one primary checking account, tracking all of your expenses, categorizing them throughout the month, and then subtracting it from the original budgeted amount so that anytime throughout the month, you always know how much you have left to spend in any category. And so that works, but it's just not as efficient as um, distributing your money into basically having smaller budget categories, more specific and more concise budget categories, and distributing your income into those categories, tracking those distributions when you do, and only using each account for its intended purpose. So it's like the cash envelope system, but I use bank accounts instead. And that way you always know where your money is going without having to track your expenses. Yes, yes. Okay. So because because at first I was like, budgeting? No, but I understand now. And um, that actually sounds like also the profit first method, like when you're a business mm. owner, mm-hmm. um, because it's a similar concept. You have like separate accounts for, you know, what you pay yourself, your operating expenses, you know, what your profit is, all that stuff is all in separate accounts. And I can definitely see how that could be very beneficial because how many people have been in the situation where you use one account and then you're like, hmm, one of these things is not like the other. (laughs) Um, Once you start getting towards the end of the month. And so if you have those separate accounts, I can see how that could be very helpful in sticking to, even if you did it in conjunction with the budget, you know what I mean? Um, How that could definitely speed up the process because you're not commingling funds. And, you know, we talk about that, like as business owners, you can't commingle with personal, but taking the same concept and it's just spreading it out over your personal accounts um, is just a great idea. I love that. Um, So what other things have you learned like during this process? Because I think that is a very good takeaway. Um, But what other tips do you have like as far as you know when you're looking at bank accounts let's go here Mm -hmm. when you're looking at bank accounts how do you decide like what banks to choose how many accounts to open you know and how do you keep everything straight (laughs) yeah there are three sort of initial spending accounts that i think everyone should have and that is one for all of your fixed and recurring expenses and the reason that i i choose that to stand alone meaning like not just your bills and utilities, but your subscriptions, any debt payments that you're making, literally anything that's coming out of your account on a consistent basis and consistent amounts. I like to have out of a single account because A, the simplicity of it, and B, we have so much anxiety oftentimes when, uh, whether it's anxiety or frustration, when like middle of the month, you're looking at your checking account and then, you know, two days later, it's dropped significantly because one of your fixed or recurring expenses has come out. So in order to just completely get rid of that you know, cold turkey, just put all of those transactions out of one account. The other two are uh, needs and wants, and those are all non-recurring. So I still put my Netflix subscriptions and, and everything into that first one. These, your needs is for, you know, food, gas, you know, anything that you general needs. 
uh, and and wants is how much you want to give yourself for just your leisure expenses. So I like to start with those three primary spending accounts. You can go as crazy as you want with the savings accounts and have as many, you know, you can have your emergency fund if you're uh, a business owner and you won't want to set aside uh, money for taxes, then by all means do that in a separate savings account. Uh, I like to have a, a savings account specifically for investing in myself um, or in assets if I'm you know, trying to stockpile money to you know, put down a, a, a down payment on a piece of real estate. And um, so th- that's a little bit about bank accounts. In terms of the banks, you want to look for uh, banks that, I don't know, are they're user-friendly, like they don't um, have hidden fees, minimum balances, and it's becoming more and more prevalent because banks like Ally Bank, which is you know fully online, you're probably aware of it. Yeah, yes, <laughs> they, <laughs> yeah, they. I think that uh, they really trailblazed what's starting to happen and will continue to evolve with the banking industry. Certainly on the personal side, where you know we we don't we want to have I want to have multiple bank accounts where like. You know, an income account, for example, that drops to zero literally every time. So I don't want a minimum balance on that account because I'm literally distributing all that money out of there every time I get paid. So uh, it's things like that. No minimum balances, no maintenance fees. <clears throat> I really like Ally Bank, although I don't have an affiliation with them yet. And then second would be <laughs> probably Capital One. Uh, I, I like them as well. Okay, very cool. And I was going to say me either. I've been like, hey, Ally, like yeah. I preach about you all the time. Can you just partner? I mean, if you're listening, can you, you know, exactly. here. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, Ally, um, I need to look into Capital One Bank because they were not on my radar. Mm. Um, so I do need to check into them. But like you were saying, trailblazing, like, you know, having the higher interest rates for the savings accounts. And then they just made an announcement, what, this year that um, they're getting rid of overdraft and NSF fees and things like that. And a whole bunch of banks started following suit. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, yes, thank you. (laughs) Um, But back to your point, though, um, I think that this is a great idea for a lot of people because not everything works for everybody. I mean, let's just be real. Um, So it's good to have ideas out there and to learn more about other people's processes so that way you can take them in because I really, really like that personal development fund Mm. idea, Um, you know, just to invest in yourself, like just having a separate account just for, okay, what does Tiffany want to invest in herself today? (laughs) Like, you know, whether it's cool courses or mentors or coaches yep. or um, real estate or whatever it is that you want to, you know, better yourself, subscription, certifications, whatever, yep. um, memberships. Like there's so many things that I can think of that can come from that fund. And I'm like, I've never thought about that. Mm. So I might actually use this new bank account that I just opened as my personal development fund. <laughs> so thank you for that. Sure. Um, so this was great. Now, what type of pitfalls have you seen just in your practice that people should kind of be aware of to kind of hedge against in this and mm. doing it this way? It's a good question. Let me think about that. Um, uh, so <clears throat> I would say the tracking portion. So the way that I track where my money is going and where I have you know clients track where their money is going, uh, it's much simpler than standard expense tracking, but it's still... It's not essential. Like it's it's that step. It's that sort of principle three: track and organize your money in an efficient way. You don't, you know, uh, and particularly if you have a, you know, consistent biweekly income and you just want to set up automatic transfers. I think that that's great. But I have had people start to just not just basically stop 
tracking their distributions. So again, the way that I say is, you know, money comes in ideally into one account that's your income account. And that way, you know, it's, it's basically a checking account without a debit card. So you're not actually able to spend any of that money until you strategically decide how to use it. And once you actually distribute your money, let's say you've got three checking accounts and three savings accounts, you would put you know, I, I put this much in this account, this much in this one, this one, and this one you know, on, on a spreadsheet, ideally, or pen and paper if you want to be old school. But um, it's uh, it takes a little bit of discipline to build that habit. And then you're, you're going to do it for the rest of your life because you're just thrilled to be able to look back at any time and know where your money went. Yes. And then also, like, if you do track it in a spreadsheet, you, you'll be able to see it month over month, year mm-hmm. over year, and you can kind of build out that data. So that way you can say, oh, my income this year was 50000 Now it's 100000 Woo! Because a lot of times we don't even see the little wins because yeah. we're so focused on living the day-to-day. And it's not until we actually track it, like you were saying, where we can say, we can look back and we're like, Oh, well, I did pretty good. And then it kind of gets your momentum. It makes you feel good. And then you start doing more and more and more. So I I thoroughly love that idea. Um, So this is some stuff. This is some good stuff, y'all, that I'm actually thinking about implementing myself as we're sitting here, because I think that this is a very novel um, and good idea um, when it comes to tracking your money. Now, Chris, if people were interested in learning more about you or finding out more about your process or maybe even working with you, maybe we have some UFC fighters, you know, listening in, um, how could people find you? Yeah, you can go to my website. It's Chris Allen Hannah. Com, no H at the end of that, Hannah. And uh, the you know social media account I'm most active on right now is TikTok. And people are loving the blackjack stuff. So that's pretty much what I've been talking about. You have to tune into uh, your podcast and, and others if you want to hear more about the finance stuff. But uh, yeah, that's where you can catch me. My tag is the same, Chris Allen Hannah. Awesome. Awesome. And if you are listening and you didn't get all of that information, we will definitely have it in the show notes. I know I'm going to go follow Chris on TikTok so I can learn more about this blackjack stuff because I'm like, if the odds are going to be in my favor, I need to go to the casino today. Um, So anyway, thank you so much for being on the show. And I'm so glad that you decided to come on and share all this knowledge with us. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for having me, Tiff. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening, joining, and being a part of the Money Talk with Tiff podcast this week. You can check Tiff out every Thursday for a new Money Talk podcast. But if you just can't wait until next week, you can listen to previous podcast episodes at moneytalkwitht.com or follow Tiff on all social media platforms at Money Talk with T. Until next time, spend wise by spending less than you make. A word to the money wise is always sufficient. <laughs>